Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in, everybody. Ethan here. Mike here. And welcome to the Blue Note Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things blues. It's episode number 11. That's right. It's the Brian Sutter episode. I don't think you can go number 11, retired and open the rafters. Nobody else. Nobody else. Yeah. I think that's the clear choice for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, Probably there's going to be, as we go along, I don't know really what's going to happen when we get to 100, but we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, but it, it, there's certainly going to be a lot of numbers where you're like, okay, it's that guy. Yeah. And 11 is one of them. I think, uh, you know, 16 is, is probably one of them. Who, who, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> guy was pretty good. Um, yeah. we'll see. We'll see when we get there. We will see. Absolutely. Uh, but before we get into it, thank you to the listeners for listening to the podcast and the yep. watchers for watching the podcast. Cause we do have it on the YouTube, the believe network, YouTube, you get to see our uh, faces, which I don't know if people enjoy that as much, but mm-hmm. you get to hear the St. Louis Blues talk, and and we're trying to you know add a, get as much out there as we can. This is the second episode of the week. I think the off season, our big goal is one episode a week at least, and we're getting two this week, so I think that's pretty good. Uh, but if you enjoy, give us a five star rating. If you like what we're doing, of course, you can leave a comment, get involved with the conversation over on the Twitter at TBN pod. You can follow us there. Uh, more so just kind of little comments and retweeting. I think as we go along with this thing, we'll probably have some more interacting on Twitter just because unless there's a game going on or a major event, there's really not much analysis to do. And we're not, not really yet. doing that as much on Twitter, but of course you can read our analytical stuff, not hockey analytics, but you know, and analyzing a game on the yeah. hockeywriters.com, of course. Um, but you can share the podcast on social media and uh, other Blues and Thunderbirds fans will uh, be able to check that out as well. We'll get to the Thunderbirds in a moment, but uh, this is a good episode because we have a uh, an exciting interview with Peter Harling of Dauber Hockey and NHL Trade Rumors. Uh, he joined us. Great interview with him. He uh, was really good talking about various Blues prospects and kind of what the draft is this year, how to view the draft, what the Blues could do at 23. And yeah. then some other stuff for some, you know, overall, if you're not a blues fan, you're listening to this. We still have some normal NHL stuff. We did talk about the top of the draft as well, which those are guys that the blues are not going to get. So that's another part of this. And uh, we've also got some stuff on the Thunderbirds as well. Um, pretty, pretty good in terms of this run. I think it's going well personally, but uh, yeah, let's get to the Thunderbirds now. And then after that, we'll throw it over to Peter. Uh, just what do you think about the Thunderbirds right now? Them Grease Lightning Thunderbirds are headed to the Calder Cup Finals. I wanted to save that line. Woo! For oh, man. Oh, man. I don't know how you can't make any single Grease reference here possible. I'm not a huge, like, Grease fan. But when somebody told me that, you know, boy, our HL affiliate is going to be the Thunderbirds, and I said, all oh, them T-Birds. So this is fantastic. You know, they had, they had a 4-0 shutout here to, uh, to win it. Old Charlie Sideburns Lindgren posted 34 saves, 34 of 34. Matthew Pekka, he opened up the scoring here on the power play with a goal here in the first period. Blues forward here now, you know, spending time here back and forth. Dakota Joshua, he scored two goals in the game. And, of course, Nathan Todd scored goal number three here to end out the 
uh, second period here at this point. But boy, oh boy, these guys are looking like studs, studs. You know, they're going to be playing uh, the Blues' former AHL Revenge. Chicago Wolves. Revenge oh, man. series. Yes, yes. And we're not going to really be able to dive into uh, – to that episode or to the uh to the game in the series here at this point just as of yet we're gonna wait you know just a little bit but um you know the the first game here is going to be sunday june 19th at 3 p.m central standard time so be able to get on that ahl tv be able to take a look here at it by the time that we get the chance here to be able to uh record here again we'll probably have about a game or two maybe here underneath of underneath of their belts yeah give or take at that point so boy i'm excited i'm excited yeah, it's gonna be great uh and and to do it against chicago would be great as well obviously a former affiliate of course the blues have had about 737 former affiliates in the last 10 years but that's all right um obviously five years here at yeah. this point <laughs> San Antonio, and then they had to play that year in Utica. It's a whole big thing. But, uh, yeah, great performance by Chucky uh, in game seven. Chicago's going to be an interesting series because anything that I've read about that series is Chicago's got a very veteran team. Yeah. Going to be hard to beat. But this this is kind of an electrifying mix that the Thunderbirds have. They have a lot of guys that have contributed in some way for the Blues this season. Like Dakota Joshua came up and, and did his thing. Matthew Pekka I thought was good when he was here as well. Yep. Um, James Neal has been a, a timely goal scorer for them as well. So uh, I like, I, I have confidence in the T-Birds. The goaltending is a big factor, uh, but we'll see what happens. So the, that series starts on Sunday, June 19th, like you said. Uh, so you check that out. I guess it's still on the AHL website, those games. Yes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and send it over to Peter Harling of Dauber Hockey and NHL Trade Rumors. We sat down with him, talked all things St. Louis Blues prospects and uh, the NHL draft as well. Let's send it over now to Peter. All right. We are welcoming in a very special guest here today, Peter Harling. Uh, if you guys do not know, Peter just does fantastic work here over at Dauber Hockey and NHL Trade Rumors. Of course, if you want to be able to listen to him, he is the host over at Dauber Prospects Radio. So, um, Peter, thanks so much here for being able to join us here today. How's it going? Uh, it's going great, man. Thank you so much for inviting me onto the, the show. I love uh, getting the opportunity to be on other podcasts. So thank you so much for extending the vine. Nope, absolutely, absolutely. And this is just something, you know, uh, we were mentioning here off air, but, you know, you just do such fantastic work here. You know, the analysis, you know, I just absolutely love and it's something that I followed here for a little while. So um, it's just great being able to connect here with you and be able to have you on. So, um, you know, we're going to be able to break down a couple of Blues prospects here. So, Ethan, let's go ahead and um, start breaking a couple of guys down. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, Peter, thank you for joining us, of course. Um, I think the big thing for the Blues, you know, prospect system is kind of, it's really headlined by the first round picks uh, that they've had the last couple of seasons. And number one on that list for me, I know a lot of people love another guy we're going to discuss later, but Jake neighbors um, captain of the Edmonton oil Kings just won the, uh, the WHL championship a lot, a lot out in front of him. He had a nine game tryout for the blues last season. Uh, Peter, how do you view Jake neighbors right now and kind of, maybe not his overall upside, but just where he's at right now and kind of uh, moving forward. How do you look at him uh, as a prospect? Yeah, uh, I'd have to say I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of his actually. Uh, I love the way that he plays the game with 
with a lot of Charlie Hustle. He can impact the game in a lot of ways. He's a, he's a very talented offensive player. He can score gritty, greasy, in the crease kind of goals. Like if you, you take a shot and the goalie gets it, that's not going to stop him from jamming away at it. Um, you know, he could score from range. He can set up plays. So I like his skill level. Um, and like I said, even if he's not contributing offensively, he's just, uh, he's still contributing in other ways. Uh, you know, he competes hard on back checks. He just, he's hungry for the puck at all times and he, he gets the puck and he's just full steam ahead to the other team's goal. And, you know, if he, he can go around players, we can go through them. If they give him a lane, he'll take it. If they don't, he'll make it. Uh, he's just, he's a fun, fun player to watch. And I think he's got a lot of upside. I think that's the big reason why Doug Armstrong liked him so much. Like he fits so well in what the blues want out of their forwards. I think we saw some of that. I know he was obviously not ready to, to play a full season in, in the NHL. Um, when he had the nine game try, he did score a goal, but he just, he does everything. And I think that's what the blues want in their forwards. And I think that's why, you know, people may not have expected him to go there. I didn't expect him to go there. I, I didn't think the Blues would take him. I definitely thought he was a first-round guy. I'm no scout or, you know, an uh, analyst for the draft by any means, but I think that that's kind of why the Blues loved him so much. It's like he does everything, and that's exactly what they want out of their forwards. And I think, you know, having him playing with veterans like he did last season, a little bit with Braden Shen, those types of guys, I think it's only going to help him. And he was really, really good for Edmonton in the WHL this season. So I agree with everything you said. And I think that that's exactly why the blues loved him so much is because he does everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So a guy here that I want to really ask you here about is somebody that I have been up and down here on for quite a while. Um, Clem Costin. He's only 23 years old. He has struggled to find a consistent role here in the NHL. He was ultimately sent down to the AHL um, and now he'll be playing alongside of his teammates for the Calder Cup, you know, which is just fantastic. And he has really picked up his game here in the playoffs. Um, you know, we were talking with Ryan Smith, the play-by-play announcer here for the Springfield Thunderbirds, and he had nothing but great things to say here about Clem Costin. And just as a reminder, you know, that he was and he is only 23 years old. So what do you see from a guy like Clem Costin here moving forward? Yeah, so it seems like it's been forever that we've been waiting for him to arrive in the NHL, right? Like mm-hmm. He's a 2017 uh, entry draft guy, 31st pick. So he was the last, last pick of the first round in his draft. Mm-hmm. And at the draft, I was talking to a lot of uh, people who are, who are better at this than I am. Like Russ Cohen, for example, he and I had a long, a long chat about Clem Costin and, and, most of the people I talked to were all telling me pretty similar things, you know, that he's got great Scott size and he's got good skill and he can shoot the puck and he's not your typical Russian player where he's skill and, and finesse. He's more North American style where he's equally happy to score a goal or punch someone in the face. Like he, he, he studied boxing in the off season. And that's um, something St. Louis fans really do enjoy that gritty style. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Me too. Uh, and so you know, he's a big man in his draft year. He was, you know, he's one of the biggest players in the draft. He's six, four to 12. And uh, he's a, he's a decent skater. So I think a lot of people, myself included, had the expectations of, well, he was a late first round pick, but this will be a short development curve 
before we see him in the NHL and contributing at the NHL level and, and in fantasy rosters. And it's, it's very tempting to think that this could be a player with the upside of, <coughs> excuse me, of, you know, 30 goals and close to a hundred penalty minutes, you know, like, uh, like a Tom Wilson kind of player. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's had, he's had opportunities to crack the blues roster and he, he's not been able to do that. Now, mm-hmm. that's no slight against him. I mean, they're a championship roster. They won the Stanley Cup not too long ago. Uh, so they're, they're, and they're still a cup contender, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you look at, he's got 40 games in the NHL uh, this season, and he's only got nine points. So are we thinking that his, his, his offensive ceiling, we might need to dial down those, those 30 goal expectations? Yeah. Perhaps, um, but he can still be an, an impactful player, and I think uh, I think his AHL development time uh, should be in the rearview mirror now. Yeah, and it's just for me, especially, it's frustrating to see that the very next day and just a few picks later, you know, the Central Division, one of the Central Division rivals here of the Dallas Stars, selected Jason Robertson, and he is lighting the NHL here on fire. And so being able to see a guy like that go and perform so well and be such an impactful player, still so young versus a guy like Clem Costin, you know, and again, it's very, very small sample size. And so being able to just say, oh, automatically a Jason Robertson is going to have more impact on the game than a guy like Clem Costin is still very, very unfair here to both players. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Blues do with a guy like Clem. Because, you know, we were talking here on our podcast here earlier, um, the Blues don't really have a lot of roster space available here at this point. And so Costin's going to potentially have to grab one of those last spots and potentially a fourth line role if he wants to be able to contend. So it's going to be interesting if the Blues start him out in the AHL again or if he starts out, you know, with an NHL role and how they want to be able to play this. It's a problem. Like, I I think for Costin, it's like, yeah, he hasn't been great in the opportunities he's gotten, but he hasn't gotten that many great opportunities because when he's up here, he's not really playing on a prime line. Like he's more so playing maybe third line, probably fourth line. I think it's maybe a little bit of Doug Armstrong being so good at building depth to the point where he's been passed up by a couple guys, uh, most notably this season, Alexi Toropchenko. And I think maybe part of the problem for Costin is just the opportunity hasn't been great. And it's kind of the Blues having the depth that they have kind of killing Costin and, and losing him. But he's, he's won at multiple levels because he was obviously on that avant-garde team that won in the KHL. And I thought that would help him a lot in his development, you know, to get to the next level. Because before the pandemic hit, he looked pretty good for the Blues. He scored a big goal, I remember, against Nashville in that early year 2020. And I thought, you know, the development was going better. I thought he was starting to finally get there. This is three years after the draft. And uh, and it just hasn't it hasn't hit. But I mean, maybe playing in the AHL the way he has this season has been good. And and speaking of a guy who really dominated the AHL when he was there this season uh, would be Scott Brunovich, who we've seen a lot of in St. Louis this year in the NHL. Um, just a really, really good player with the puck on the back end. And um, I think a, a guy that a lot of people are very, very high on uh, Peter, like how high are you on Brunovich and what do you think of of his upside and maybe his fit in the NHL right now. So I like his upside a lot. Um, he's a, a highly decorated NCAA uh, graduate where he was the 
the Hobie Baker winner there. Um, you know, he played on the, uh, on the world juniors <clears throat> and it was pretty impressive there. Um, he's been dominant in his transition to the American hockey league. And what I find really particularly impressive about that is he basically lost an entire season to injury the year before the pandemic shut things down. And then the other one, there was the pandemic season where everything was, was limited. So, you know, he lost some, some key development, excuse me, time. So going forward, I mean, he's, he's torched up the, um, the American hockey league and he's proven to be too good to play there. And I'm anxious to see what he can do once he's got um, now he's got some, some time under his belt where uh, he's, he's played some, some pro great games here now. And um, you know, he's 17 games in the American hockey league at 22 points. And he's a defenseman. He's over a point a game player as a, as a defenseman, which is incredible. And he didn't play any games in 2021. Um, so the upside there is, I think, an elite number one offensive defenseman, um, maybe not quite in the same category as uh, Cal McCarr or Quinn Hughes, but close. Uh, I think his his upside is is elite. If you can be able to say to Blues, you know, we've got a, a Kale McCarr light version, you know, that just speaks volumes. You know, there's a number of people who are saying to potentially – trade him in a package to acquire like a Jacob Chikrin or, or something like that here at this point. And I'm just saying, hold the phone here. Hang on. You have no idea what we have here at this point. He has very, very limited NHL experience, you know, and like you said, he has just lit the world here on fire at every single level that he has seen. And, you know, he, he doesn't need to go back to the AHL at this point. He, he just doesn't, he needs to be in the NHL. He needs to be, um, here with the team, building the chemistry, and he needs to be able to get the time. And that's where the Blues, I think, really have a big logjam, especially with Tory Krug not necessarily taking a number one spot here alongside of Colton Pareko. Um, and maybe a guy like a Perunovic could build a fit well with a Pareko. Don't really know that here just as of yet. And so it'll be interesting to see. Um, but another guy, you know, we could end up seeing here next season who has really, really developed here, especially over these playoffs, is goaltender Joel Hofer, another highly decorated guy, another highly decorated prospect that we could be able to see sooner than later. You know, I don't know if it may be next season here, but boy, he is certainly making a case that he needs to get a real good look here at this point. So, um, are we looking potentially at a number one, like a top 10 goalie in the league here with, with Joel? Well, I think you look at <clears throat> what, uh, what is his competition for roster positions? Cause that's the challenge with goalies, right? You can only play one at a time. Uh, and they've got Bennington signed long-term. Now I wouldn't be surprised if the blues were going to try and get out from behind that contract, but good luck with that. Billy Huso is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, he played well enough that he's going to garner plenty of interest. Uh, so that'll be a challenge for them to keep him. So who are the other prospects that St. Louis has that can challenge Joel Hofer? 
I don't see any <laughs> really yeah. nobody. Yeah. Really Sorry nobody. about that. Yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to, you know, slide anybody, but um, it's, it's a pretty short list. So, yeah. so where are we with, with his development path right now? Okay. So he is, what is he? 21 years old. Yeah. 21 years old. He's got NHL height, six foot five. So there's a chance. Uh, and he's got <clears throat> two years basically of pro development under his belt. Uh you know, 49, 39 games in, in the AHL last year uh, with a pretty decent record. So you know, you, if I'm St. Louis, <clears throat> they watch him a lot more than I have in the American Hockey League. They'll have a better handle if they think that he's ready um, to step right into the NHL. And that would be a that would be a pretty tall order for someone at, at his age and goalies yeah. can have a tendency to take a little bit longer to develop. Yeah. So I think what, if I'm the blues, I probably look at um, acquiring uh, another veteran option on a short-term contract. That's kind of a, uh, you know, a minimal sort of investment here that you don't have a six year contract where, you know, you've got a log jam in net and if, if they don't pan out, then you're really euchred. Um, so just like a, someone to, to buy some time, allow Hover to, to develop in the American hockey league at a pace that that's suitable to him and he doesn't have to rush and they don't put him in a situation where he's set up to fail. And then when he's ready to knock the door down and, and step into the NHL, uh, then it's easy to make room for him. You know, you've got a, a player with a short-term contract or whatever, or an expiring contract perhaps. Um, and then, and then you're all set. Yeah, so we could be still looking at another like two years, which is something I think that, you know, Ethan and I had discussed here previously that, you know, Hofer could be able to make a strong case for a backup role, but what's more beneficial here for him to be able to get that backup role in the NHL or to be able to get number one playing time in the AHL. And I think for his development and like you said, his age and whatnot, he needs to be getting a lot of minutes, a lot of minutes, a lot of reps, you know, seeing a lot of pucks. And I think, time here in the AHL is going to be the best thing here for him. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, moving to the final prospect we'll discuss here is the blues 2021 first round pick uh, Zachary Bolduc had a big, big season in the queue this year for the rim parts. And I think a lot of blues fans are kind of looking at that and being like, okay, he's the next guy. But I also think that you need to temper the expectations a little bit with him right now uh, because I don't, I don't think that – I mean, 99 points at any level is great, but, you know, the Q's not the, the best junior league by any means at all. So uh, how do you view Bull Duke and what he did this year for, for Quebec uh, in the Q, QMJHL and uh, kind of what his timeline could be uh, moving forward? All right. So, yeah, 100 points basically <clears throat> in, uh, in the queue this year. So it's, it's hard to ignore that. That's, <clears throat> that. That demands some attention and some respect. Um, but, you know, what I wrote about him <clears throat> is that he's a bit of a bit of a boomer bust kind of a player, right? Like he's got really great offensive skills. He's a really good uh, skater. He can handle the puck very well uh he's elusive he employs deception um with his with his intentions his past recipients and, and what he's where he's going and what he's thinking um and you know he and he's lighting it up offensively so so where does the where does my bust concern come from well <clears throat> he, if you watch him he you know he makes these great plays but he also makes some some really bad ones um his decision making with the puck 
uh, can be questionable. So, and those are some things that, that can uh, be coached and trained out of, out of a game. Uh, there were some similar thoughts about that with Jason Spezza when he was coming up, you know, he was a very, very prolific offensive scorer and junior. Um, but, you know, even in the NHL, it took him a few years to shake the habit of making drop passes after we went over the blue line to like nobody <laughs> and, and giving up, uh, giving up breakaways uh, for the other team. Um, so, but if, if Bull Duke can't iron out some of those uh, concerns, there's the, the margin for error in the junior levels is much wider than it is at the pro level, like let alone the NHL. Like you, you just can't be making mistakes like that um, at the NHL level. Cause it's in your net almost every time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, so that's my concern with him. Do, do I think he's got a uh, superstar offensive upside at the NHL? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's hundred points in junior like, kids got kids got skills. Um. <laughs> But is he more of a liability uh, than than anything else? Um, you know, that time will tell. He'll have to to hone that out. I think he might have one more year of uh, junior eligibility. He's 19 years old now, so yeah, one more year to go, uh, and then I think you'll see uh, a, a development curve in the American Hockey League where he'll adjust to the pro level. He'll have a lot less time and space with the puck. There'll be a lot more pressure on him to make quick decisions with the puck. How he responds uh, will, will tell you how, how it's going to go going forward. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple seasons away here at this point. So, you know, yeah. that's, yeah. that's fine. And the blues, the blues have a number of different, young and up and coming prospects and, you know, some contracts will to figure out here at this point. So there's absolutely no rush here for a guy like Balduke. So, um, so let's turn our attention here really fast. You know, we've got the upcoming draft that's going to start here on July 7th. It's three weeks here to the day that we're recording this. The blues are going to be drafting 23rd overall. You know, I've got a couple different ideas as far as, you know, who and what kind of position that they should be looking here at, but what do you see as being, you know, maybe a couple of trade targets, I'm um, sorry, a couple of draft targets here for them, or even just like some, you know, a position that they should try and go for, you know, what, what would you do if you're in the driver's seat? Uh, well, so your first round pick, I think you want to try and, and get sure, a sure thing in the first round, right? Like depending on how many, how many picks you have and the blues only have the one at 23rd. So I don't think they're going to want to, and your, your prospect pool isn't the deepest in the NHL either. So I think you want to you want to secure an asset that has a lot of a lot of promise in their potential. Mm-hmm. So a low a low uh, a low risk factor. You know, like maybe yeah. their ceiling isn't as high, but uh, but their floor isn't isn't necessarily a bust. Uh, as far as positional need goes, I think you worry about that at other times and not at the draft. Um, I think you just go ahead and, and take the best player available. So looking at my draft rankings at uh, 20, I've got, I goes Isaac Howard uh, and Jimmy Snuggerud from the national team development plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snuggerud would maybe be a nice fit there. He's kind of the gritty player as well. Uh, Lane Hudson is, is in that na- neighborhood as well. Um, a little undersized at five, nine, one forty-eight but probably one of the most skilled defensemen in the, in the draft. 
Um, if you wanted to take a swing at a couple of players, there might be some guys there that you could do that with, with Ivan Miroshenchenko or maybe even Brad Lambert might fall that far. Um, I've seen him. He's just all over the map, right? And depending who you talk to, they're like, oh, he's a top 10 pick. Yeah, he had a bad season, but he's still a top 10 pick. And there's other people who are like, he's not, he's on our do not draft list. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, you know, he's a little bit of a wild card there. This year's out to ratty, perhaps. Um, yeah. Uh, so anyways, there's, there's a couple guys, uh, maybe Owen Pickering, if you want to go on, on the blue line or yeah. um, Ryan Chesley is another uh, NTTB player uh, who's really caught fire uh, in the scouting community in the last um, quarter of the season, basically uh, he's really turned some heads and, and started to get some, some lip service. Awesome. So, so I wrote an article, the hockeywriters.com uh, with three first round draft targets kind of based on different boards and what people think about them. I think a couple of them are probably going to be, you got to get lucky for them to be there at 23, maybe. Uh, but the first one I had was Jagger Furcus, who has a great name. Uh, first of all. And uh, I think he's a guy that would be a good fit on the wing. And then I also had Seamus Casey, who's a, you know, kind of feels like a boomer bust type defenseman from what I read about him. Um, Another guy who's not big defensively, but a lot of skill. And I also think that a lot of people from what I read really like Casey's defensive game. Um, So that's something to think about. And then I did have Isaac Howard as my third one there. So how do you look at those three and, maybe the possibility of them being there at 23rd and how you view them as prospects with, uh, with respect to Fergus, Casey and Howard. So if Yager Fergus is available at 23, uh, you, you run up to the yep. stage to, to draft him. <laughs> uh, no, no take backsies. <laughs> yeah. I like him a lot. He really, really caught my eye at the CHL top prospects game. Um, you know, he's, he's got an NHL ready shot. Mm-hmm. He's he, he's offensively, I think he's pretty close to to NHL ready. Now, there's a lot of other components of his game that need a lot of development before he'll be in the NHL. Um, you know, he's, he's got to get a lot stronger. He's 5'10", and he only weighs 150 pounds. So he's got to eat some protein shakes and whatnot. <laughs> Give this guy um, a cheeseburger. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Cheeseburgers for breakfast, maybe. Um, So I I said I wouldn't necessarily endorse taking a swing on a player who's a boomer bust, but I just don't see Yager Fergus as as more of a bust kind of a player. It's just he's going to take a long time and that's fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, So, yeah, I I like him a lot. Now, in terms of Seamus Casey, um, he did not make my my first round. Um, in fact, I, I may be a little bit bullish on Yager Fergus. I had him ranked, uh, really high, like 13th. Uh, and I'm a little bearish on, on Seamus Casey. I had him ranked 56th. Um, now in terms of drafting players who you think are very good defensively, that's not a player you draft in the first round that they're, they're kind of a dime a dozen. You, you can get them in later rounds, um, that's yeah. not a, it's not a God given skill to play really good defensively. It's just, it's determination and character and, uh, and coaching that allows you to be good defensively. Uh, and there's a lot of guys that can, that can develop that. Um, uh, who was your third guy? Sorry. Uh, Isaac Howard, who you did mention. 
yeah, he's he's right in the wheelhouse there at uh, at twentieth. So you know, and that's just my rankings. Um, but he would be a great he'd be a great pick for them for them there. I think he's uh, um, I think he's a very skilled uh, forward. He's, he's he's got a lot of upside. He's going to take some time as well. I can't remember where he's committed to for the NCAA. Um, and that that where players go in in college hockey kind of factors in a little bit with uh with where i see them going forward you know there's certain programs are are a little bit more renowned for uh developing players um uh so i'd have to look up where he's going um but yeah those are all my thoughts on those guys isaac howard would be a would be a great pick at that range so since zoom appears to be giving us a time crunch because i don't want to pay for it monthly we'll we'll rapid fire the rest (laughs) of this year um just in terms of the draft itself few quick questions about other teams or maybe at least the top part of the draft number one would be and i think it's a question that a lot of people are throwing around um is shane wright the clear number one still uh he's my number one i don't know how clear that is Mm -hmm. i think it's a i think it's a three-man race there um and i think it'll just come down to team team preference um yeah just some people talk about positional need there uh montreal is is thin at center um and i think i put more maybe less of a positional need but i put more emphasis on centers and defensemen than wingers so that gives uh right and cooley the edge over slavkovsky perhaps um but for me and i just i just released a, a dpr podcast with uh the kingston frontenacs TV host Alan Edmansky and we talked a long time about Shane Wright. And so we kind of went over him in depth and reviewed his season and, and his upside. And I think he's a player that's going to step into the NHL right away. Um, I think his comparison to Patrice Bergeron is a good one. And, you know, while people might be thinking Shane Wright, exceptional status, and they're a little underwhelmed with his almost hundred point season this year in his draft year. Well, okay. So he's not Connor McDavid, but like, there's Wayne Gretzky, Mary Lemieux, Connor McDavid. Like that's a short list, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he might not be a, a Connor McDavid, but he's also not Neil Yakupov. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so they're all too familiar with Neil Yakupov. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, yeah. And if you compare him to, if he turns out to be Patrice Bergeron, um, pretty good. Well, that's pretty good, man. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think people are probably looking forward to next year's draft and be the number one guys in that draft and how there's like some really, really, really good prospects in that top three. So that's going to be something to look forward to. Well, that's what I thought about this year, right? You know, going into this year, about two years out, I was like, okay, so we've got Shane Wright, exceptional status. We've got Matt Savoy, who, you know, people have been talking about for a long time. We've got Brad Lambert, who is, you know, going to be the first Finnish born player to go first overall in a draft. I'm, no, and then now it's just Shane Wright and some other guys we weren't even talking about. So who knows what will happen with the 2023 draft, but it seems there are some like, pretty good names there. Yeah, it seems that like that Bedard kid's all right. It seems like Mitchkov's pretty pretty trustworthy as well. So yes, then there's the Russian factor. Yeah, it's true. Um, real quick, I got one more here. Uh, how do you view a couple players like um, David Yurichek? And Connor Geeky, who I think a lot of people have varying opinions on both of them. Obviously, Geeky, a big forward. Uh, I don't really know what the opinion of scouts 
on him is, but how do you view him and, and Yurashek as well? Uh, yeah, so Connor Geeky's uh, 6'4", 205, so he's got the size going for him, um, and he's he's got some pretty good skill as well. I didn't have him in my top 10. I am 13th. Um, there. So, yeah, he, he's... He can impact the game a couple different ways too, right? He's he's got his size working for him, and you know he's got some some hands, so he can produce some offense as well. Whether or not that offense translates at the NHL level, like whoever knows. Uh, and David Yurichek, I have him ranked fourth. Um, you could toss a coin basically between him and and Simon Nemich. They're they're both very good, um, but I kind of like Yurichek. So Nemich might be a, a better top pairing defenseman, but Juracek brings a couple of things that, that I really, he might not be a top two, but he's definitely a top four. He's got a better shot. He's got a little bit more, um, a little bit more jam to his game too. So, uh, so I, I you know, flip a coin, but I, I gave the edge to Juracek. All right. Uh, Mike, you got anything else? Nope. I just want to be able to thank you here again for being able to come on the podcast. Um, where can we be able to find, so, you know, you just mentioned that you just, uh, release here a new podcast. I haven't had the chance to listen here to it, but I'm really excited. Um, you know, where else can fans be able to find your stuff? You know, what we can be um, looking forward to. Uh, so I did a, a season long series for NHL trader was doing their, their top 10 uh, prospect rankings for, for each NHL team. Uh, I just contributed to the Dauber prospects uh, prospect report. Um, so if you're in a fantasy league, that's, that's a dynasty league or a keeper. That's, that's a must have 16 um, team. Yep. Yeah. That, that's a must have, um, yep. piece of information. Uh, so yeah, I, I write occasionally for, for Dauber prospects. I'm more on the podcast side now. Um, you know, my day job and, and personal life is, has kind of limited my ability to, to spend as much time on this as I'd like, but yeah, find me on Twitter at P H A R L I N G at Farling or, um, or the DPR underscore show. Those are the, the two Twitter accounts that, uh, that I have. And uh, yeah, if you like, uh, like what you hear, check out the Hubbard prospects radio podcast. It's on all your regular formats and uh, the draft rankings that I'm talking about, I'll be releasing that hopefully within the next week. Um, in an article on, on NHL trade rumors as well. All right. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. And as for the rest of this episode, 11 of the blue note podcast, we'll send you to the outro right now. All right. Thank you uh, to Peter for joining us. Um, great talk with him, obviously very knowledgeable in the field, Dauber hockey, and NHL Trade Rumors, you can follow him there. He said his Twitter there at the end. So check him out for sure. Maybe we'll get him on again down the road, uh, maybe even this offseason. Who knows? But, um, yeah, yeah such a for, great guy. Yeah, absolutely. Great on-air and off-air conversations for yeah. sure. Um, yep. So thanks to him for joining us. And episode 12 is coming soon. Next week, probably. We got two episodes out this week. We hope to get episode 12 next week. I'm sure we will. We don't know exactly what we're going to talk about, but uh, we'll talk more of the offseason. I'm sure maybe even a little bit more of the draft. We'll update you on the Thunderbird series, and then uh, we'll update you around maybe what's going on in the Central Division and maybe the NHL as a whole because, you know, days like today, you got two moves that happen on this Thursday. This is uploaded on Friday, but yesterday, I guess you could call it now, you had number one. You had Evgeny Dadnov getting traded from Vegas to Montreal for Shea Weber. Shea, Shea Weber. Weber, virtually an LTIR guy, 
not yeah. going to play for Vegas. So Vegas, once again, you know, bending the rules a little bit to do the LTIR thing, which is within the rules, but still kind of annoying. But either way, I think that's a great trade for Montreal to get a guy they can slot into their current top six for, for Shea Weber, who's probably never going to play again. So that's a good move. And then you also had a former blue. That you, you also had guys. Sammy Blay uh, re-sign here out of New York. He had the one-year contract that he signed worth $1.525 million. So, you know, very shortened season here for him. Extremely unfortunate here um, with that injury here early in the season. And so, you know, the I think the Rangers really want to see what Sammy can be able to bring here next year with a full healthy season. So uh, former Blue staying here up in the, uh, in the Northeast. Yeah, I think um, this tells us that the Rangers definitely want to have Sammy Blay in their lineup. 1.5 yeah. mil is a good number. And I always liked Sammy Blay a lot. Like I always liked what he brought, what he brought to the team. Like 2019, he was a big part of getting through the San Jose series specifically because he was hitting guys and very yeah. often he was doing that. So I always appreciate him for that. And people like kind of make fun of the trade for, for, for Buchnevich, which I mean, it was kind of a laughable return for what Buchnevich is. But at the time, you got to look at it from the Rangers side of you point of view. Like they had, they already have a ton of skill, mm-hmm. and Buchnevich is, is is great, yeah. but he was going to need an extension, and they needed a little bit more sandpaper. And I think Blay was yeah. that before he had the unfortunate ACL injury. Which was that on the PK Subban thing? Which you know, no. dirty, no. dirty for expert. sure. Expert, um, but I mean, yeah, second round pick. 100% worth it for the Blues and probably worth it for the Rangers. Like the Rangers got further than the Blues this year, which, yeah, say what you will about that. But I mean, I know they faced some pretty, you know, not so good goaltenders before Vasilevsky, but they still got further. So uh, hopefully Sammy Blake can recover from the injury and, and be well again. Uh, but I think that'll do it for us. Um, episode 12 will come your way next week. Once again, thank you to Peter Harling for joining us. Um, for episode 11 and we'll see you next week for episode number 12 the blue note podcast the believe network you can follow me on twitter at ethan carter sw you can follow mike on twitter at at danger powers 19 and we'll see you next week for episode 12 thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.